The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hello, my name is Ben Bowler from OneGod.com. Together with our partners at the Interspiritual Network and Presence International, we are thrilled to welcome you to this 13-part radio series called The Convergence. Uniting the tribes in the interspiritual age. The rest of this decade and the next few decades represent a critical juncture in the evolution of our planet. At a time when consciousness is rapidly expanding, multiple crises on a global scale are also escalating. The sense of urgency is palpable. The question is this, will we wake up and will we grow up just in time to turn this around and navigate our way safely through these straits? If we are to accomplish this, two things are clear. We must do it all together, and we must do it now. It is in this spirit that we present to you The Convergence, a journey of waking up and growing up with Dr. Kurt Johnson and friends, together with some of the world's leading philosophers, thinkers, artists, activists, visionaries, and intergenerational leaders. We explore the cutting edges of spirituality, consciousness, ecology, social justice, and a host of interconnected fields, all essential in moving our planet forward towards a peaceful and positive future. It is my pleasure to introduce to you the series host, Dr. Kurt Johnson. Thank you, Ben Bowler, for that introduction to the Convergence series. This is your host, Dr. Kurt Johnson of the Interspiritual Network. In this episode, just before the Christmas holidays, we're really pleased to be talking about the future of Christianity. And my co-hosts are Doug King and Mike Morell of Presence.tv in segments three and four, and Mike Morell of Presence TV, who's here with me now in segments one and two. And our guests are Cynthia Bourgeau, Brian McLaren, and Brandon Robertson. Now, you'll be learning a lot more about Mike in segment three, but for now... I'll let him dive right into talking about his and Doug's organization, Presence International, which is a sponsor of the Convergence series. So, Mike, what would you like to tell us about Presence and its role in the future of Christianity? Hmm. Thank you, Kurt. We at Presence are really excited that this Convergence series is happening. Our ministry started over 40 years ago when Max King, an itinerant minister in the hills of West Virginia, began questioning the doomsday end-times theology that began getting something of a resurgence in American fundamentalism around that time. Armed with nothing but a Bible and an insatiable curiosity, he started to deconstruct the catastrophic, futuristic eschatology that began exerting a corrosive influence on spirituality, practice, and even the public policy among a whole segment of Christianity in the 70s and 80s. Max recognized that prominent skeptics like Bertrand Russell rejected faith on the grounds that Jesus saw an imminent frame for his return, or parousia, which virtually everyone, believer and skeptic alike, had decided hadn't happened yet. But rather than dismiss the biblical narrative's imminent frame, Max adopted a hermeneutic for reading these prophetic texts that took Jesus, Paul, and the other biblical writers at their word that the prophetic language was a symbolic language, uncovering the spiritual meaning of temporal events. 
events that were intelligible to these prophecies' original hearers. So seeing prophecy as pointing not to the destruction of the planet at the end of the world as they knew it, Max meticulously reread the entire sweep of the biblical narrative from Genesis to Revelation as revealing a covenant promise fulfilled within a generation of the New Testament's closing, presenting an open-ended future and an all-in-all God. Now, in our second generation of leadership, Doug King builds upon his father's original insights by expounding a truly integral theology, integrating the insights of spiral dynamics for a developmental reading of our sacred narrative. The fruits of this project, which has been going on for about five years now, has been pretty amazing. Anyone listening in can get a generous taste of this perspective by going to presence.tv forward slash free dash downloads. We'll also include a link to this in the show notes. But this will give you access to a free seven-part video series that Doug does on integral theology A to Z. And like Kurt said, you'll be hearing more from Doug later on in the show. So, Mike, right, thanks so much for that introduction about presence. And certainly one of the big thrills for me was uh, introducing Doug and Max to Ken Wilbur and the several meetings that we had in Colorado and connecting that incredible legacy of Max and everything that Presence has done with it to uh, the developmental paradigm uh, in person with them being able to talk for several mm-hmm. afternoons was really, really a thrill. And it's right in line with the guest you're going to introduce now, uh, this whole redefinition of spirituality in a developmental framework. So if you can go ahead and introduce Cynthia and just turn loose with that, this should really be exciting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So in 2005, while I was wandering the exhibitor's floor on the American Academy of Religion's annual meeting, I stumbled on a copy of the just-published book, Centering Prayer and Inner Awakening. Do I really need another book on centering prayer? I was wondering. But something about it called to me, and I decided that the answer was yes. And through its pages, I discovered our next guest, the Reverend Dr. Cynthia Bourgeau. And I'm so glad I did, because at that point, I had been a stumbling practitioner of contemplative prayer, a meditative practice in the Christian tradition, for about seven years. I had a fairly sublime devotional understanding of this practice as beholding or divine fellowship that was furnished to me in a communitarian house church movement in which I'd spent about a decade. But Cynthia's exposition of centering prayer did something else for me. It gave me an unsentimental embodied understanding of how I could take contemplative prayer off my cushion and into my life. So in the years that followed, I learned more about Cynthia, her role as an Episcopal priest, her time in the Gurdjieff work, her friendship, apprenticeship, and colleagueship with monks of several religious and spiritual traditions. I'm really glad I kept up with her because she's become a kind of distance mentor to me through her books, her recordings, wisdom schools, And now via the Living School, where I'm a student, and she serves as a faculty member alongside Father Richard Rohr and James Finley in conjunction with the Center for Action and Contemplation. I'm so grateful that uh, Cynthia could join us on this episode of Convergence on the Future of Christianity. Welcome, Cynthia. Well, thank you, and thank you for that lovely uh, introduction, and hello to Kurt as well. It's good to be working with such, uh, such prophetic visionaries. (laughs) <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, Cynthia, you have a brand new book that's just out, The Heart of Centering Prayer, Christian Non-Duality in Theory and Practice with Shambhala. 
if someone listening were to want to begin a centering prayer practice, where would you recommend that they start? Well, I would say that if they were absolute beginners, that they start with that first book that claimed you, uh, Centering Prayer and Inner Awakening, which is a very, very thorough, long introduction, you know, taking care of all the bits and pieces of how to do it. Uh, I have a short introduction in the new book, but the new book is really intended as a part two, uh, either for people that are going to go into Centering Prayer way more deeply or ready for the next level, or who are just looking at it from a kind of outsider's view and want to know what it is so they can start to work with it. But it's more on the implications of the prayer than it is on the nuts and bolts of practice. And, and I think I would also want to say really strongly that if you're really serious about centering prayer, uh, the, the best place to really get support for the practice is still through the wonderful contemplative outreach network, which has come into being, has existed for 30 years, around the work of Thomas Keating, uh, who founded the movement and who has still written in the Bible on centering prayer, his classic book, Open Mind, Open Heart. So nothing works better than doing Centering Prayer in a group with support with a lineage behind you that's 30 years old or more now, uh, working to help you get through some of the tight spots in the practice. Check out Cynthia's first book, Centering Prayer and Inner Awakening. Check out Father Thomas Keating's Open Mind, Open Heart, as well as Contemplative Outreach. But let's, let's go with a little bit more of your new book, um, you know, I know for me, one of the most powerful aspects of your earlier book is your illumination on how consistently flexing the inner muscle of letting go can begin to impact our entire lives. And the heart of Centering Prayer spends even more time unpacking this whole life impact, from examining the, the nature of the heart all the way to the welcoming practice. Could you share here briefly how the effects of Centering Prayer begin to impact our lives beyond simply silence? Well, I think of centering prayer actually as letting go in meditation form, and I teach it from the point of view of a gesture of release. So many other uh, takes on meditation are about concentrating the mind, single-point focus, but centering your prayer is really about releasing your mind from the objects of its attention. And this gesture of relief, release is actually subtly embodied. Every time you let go of a thought in centering prayer, it strengthens this slight but palpable uh, neurological rewiring, bringing heart and brain into deeper entrainment and, and spiritual attitude into deeper entrainment. And it's this letting go, this learning how to release the things that are you're grabbing onto or that more likely are grabbing onto you that become the real place of carryover into daily life. Uh, and the takeaway is centering prayer moves out seamlessly into the outer world of engaged, compassionate action. Hmm. Thank you for this, Cynthia. I believe we're going to be taking a break for a moment, and we will be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hello. We hope you are enjoying this series on the convergence, uniting the tribes in the interspiritual age. For those of you looking to take a deeper dive into any of this amazing material, 
Dr. Kurt Johnson has created an entire online learning program called Interspiritual Mastery, and we are thrilled to be hosting this course on our new education platform, One God Academy. The Interspiritual Mastery Program will take you on a guided journey through the amazing developments in spirituality, ecology, indigenous wisdom, and more, giving you a window seat to the dawn of the interspiritual age. For more information on this exciting new program, please go to onegod.com. That's the number one, G-O-D.com. And follow the links to the Academy. Join us in changing the world through the work of waking up and growing up. And let us all strive to unite the tribes in this interspiritual age. Hi friends, this is Ben from OneGod.com with a special announcement. We hope you're enjoying this radio series, The Convergence, a journey of waking up and growing up with Dr. Kurt Johnson and friends. Many of the ideas that have gone into making this series had their original expression through Kurt's landmark book, The Coming Into Spiritual Age. It's a modern-day spiritual classic full of inspired thinking and heralding an optimistic future right within our grasp. As a special gift to listeners of The Convergence, Dr. Johnson is giving you the first four chapters as a gift. In these first 50 pages, Kurt and co-author David Ord lay out the framework for their grand, integrated, interspiritual vision, a vision that Ken Wilber says might very well change your world. To get your free download of this incredible gift, just go to onegod.com, that's the number one, G-O-D.com, and follow the links. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Convergence. You may connect with our program today by calling toll-free 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send us an email to info at onegod.com. That's I-N-F-O at the number one, God.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to The Convergence. This is Mike Morell of Presence, and I'm here talking with Reverend Dr. Cynthia Bourgeau. So, Cynthia, what I'm hearing is that a regular practice of centering prayer begins to raise our entire level of being, which in turn impacts our relationships. And I know from your work uh, on Gurdjieff's Laws of Three and Seven to how you structure your wisdom schools that you don't have this simplistic understanding that contemplative practice alone could quote-unquote change the world. But based on what you were just saying about, you know, how letting go impacts our entire lives, you sure that we can't radiate what we don't have. So what advice would you give to those of us who are called to activism in these troubled times? Well, there's two parts to it. The first has to do with clarifying your own meaning and being. And this is the part that Centering Prayer works on so well that, that uh, if you act from a, from, a, from a position of duality, which is where most action comes from, you know, you're mad at something, you spot something that's wrong, and you have a lot of urgency around fixing it, you're bringing into the equation your own kind of backlash of dualized and polarized thinking. And there's that hmm. classic line, I think it's in Alice in Wonderland, about how you get there is where you'll arrive. 
And even a good cause, if it's done with means that are violent and identified and fearful, bring those dimensions in, sometimes in a more prominent way than the good they're trying to do. So centering prayer works in this whole basic beginning of being able to get the mind into a much more non-dualized, non-polarized, paradox-tolerant place. Uh, and so that, that you see against the, across the board in much of the teaching, certainly the teaching that Richard Rohr is, is bringing forward so powerfully at the Center for Action and Contemplation. What I add in from my work in the Gurdjieff work and the law, the law of three and the law of seven is that when you get in this clarified, non-polarized, sort of more flexible uh, inner insight and clarity, you can grab on much more clean, clearly to what Gurdjieff calls third force, which is that new, that undiscovered possibility lurking in every situation, which is going to be its real realization, that all new arisings aren't just the clash of, of thesis and antithesis and synthesis, but something new enters, Gurdjieff called it third force, which brings things into a whole new configuration, a whole new ballpark. And if we're alert, we can find it. So my teaching is not just to sit on the cushion to try and get yourself personal relief from the distress of the world, but to really begin to uh, equip yourself with the skilled means, the, the shrewdness, the mettle, uh, the alertness to what's happening in a situation, to be able to act in ways which are not only sincere but useful. Hmm. So it sounds like that alertness we cultivate is the way in which we can be an open channel to get out of the either-or binaries that so often uh, occupy both sides of a conflict. We even think of it as both sides as opposed to <laughs> there are other yeah. possibilities besides yeah. the both. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, action can only fall in one mode. You know, that I think it was Meister Eckhart who said, no being without a mode of being. And finally, you're going to do one thing or you're going to do another. And uh, I don't sit around waiting on my cushion for the, the great, the great uh, you know, kind of unanimity and union and love of everything that's just going to dissolve all the shadowy figures of our own time. Uh, you have to speak uh-huh. truth to power, says the Quakers. But you have to speak it from power, uh, from the power of love, not from the power of force. And it's learning to connect love and power, which is the real turf uh, of non-dual engaged action. And I think centering prayer is the real way into that by teaching release, by imprinting it so deeply in you that you're not identified with fixed positions, fixed ideals, only one way that something can happen, and therefore you're not stuck and reified in your own being. Mm, It sounds like a certain agility that uh, becomes a fruit of this practice. Yeah, Jesus called it wise as serpent and innocent as doves. (laughs) That's perfect. Let's examine another aspect of paradox. You know, in the very title of your book, The Heart of Centering Prayer, Christian Non-Duality in Theory and Practice, I'm hearing this tension. On the one hand, you're unfolding non-duality. On the other hand, you're talking Christianity. Is this an oxymoron? Doesn't somebody leave labels and identity markers when we see from a non-dual vantage point? Why or why not would that be the case? 
No, I think that's one of the great simplistic reductions of non-duality. You know, there's very, very many streams of takes, even in the Eastern tradition, between whether non-duality is a uh, is simply a pure monism, which would release uh, which would release all form, or whether mm-hmm. it's the capacity for not one, not two, but both one and two. And it's this kind of non-duality that's much more uh, pertinent to the West. It's the capacity not only to see uh, the, the ocean, not only to see the drop dissolving in the ocean, but to, to see the ocean perfectly, holographically present and active in the, dark, in the drop. So, so particularity in and of itself does not uh, uh, cancel non-duality. That's only so in a kind of quietism of non-duality, or what I call mm-hmm. boomeritis non-duality. Uh, and there are <laughs> profound non-dual thinkers who think very, very well, the Dalai Lama being a case in point. Uh, so that you're able to use the instruments of particularity and the brilliance of the mind, but what is unstuck is your own, uh, you know, dog in the fight, your own identification with labels, your own needing to get some sort of personal uh, uh, identity out of the whole thing, and therefore your personal investment, which is the thing that that, that turns it into a dualistic immer- emotional turf. Uh, my own sense is that we need more of a kind of thinking and being and praying and acting that isn't afraid of particularity and isn't afraid of using the very good resources of the mind, but doesn't get stuck in them. It's the kind of classic transcend and include that I think Ken is talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. That's a helpful distinction. So, so given that, if we did embrace the specificity of our lineage without the exclusivity that sometimes can happen in its more hardened forms, how do you envision a sapiential or wisdom stream of Christianity impacting the future of our faith, of Christian faith, and then how do you see it from your own life and experience playing with other faiths? Well, I think one of the great the, one of the great uh, tools we get from the inner traditions of the West is the idea that all sacred tradition has in it three levels. There's the exoteric level that has to do with the literal interpretation of things and the instilling of a basic level of ethics of spiritual liturgy, lit, you know, uh, uh, spiritual literacy. The mesoteric level or the middle level gets down to practice that begins to transform the mind. And then the esoteric level is the fruit of that practice, in which, as T.S. Eliot says, you come round uh, to where you were before and see the place from the first time. And so what, Mm. when your mind was smaller, looks like exclusivity, begins on the new way to look like holographic inclusivity. That's that, that ocean in the drop again. And we begin to discover that all the great teachers and teachings are in each other, not just at the general level by reducing it all to a kind of cosmic principle, you know, Christ consciousness or whatever, but by, by the fact that that depth allows every part to shine out in all its interrelated wholeness. So I think that Christianity, you know, the wisdom of Christianity brings back the very, very weak presence of esoteric Christianity. And at the same time, you know, so that helps the whole 
a Christian container gets stronger, and it also finds the point of impact with the esoteric levels in all the other traditions, which are in each other, in the same way mm. as water is in each drop. Uh, mm. So it, it forms a literal point of contact between the conscious workers in all the traditions, who are bootstrapping each tradition and each other actively. Uh. That is so rich. Thank you. Well, friends, we've been talking to Cynthia Bourgeau. If you're listening to this, do yourself a favor and check out Cynthia's latest book, The Heart of Centering Prayer, Christian Non-Duality and Theory and Practice. I think we're out of time, unfortunately. I wish we had more, but thank you so much for your time today, Cynthia. Well, you're welcome. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hello, everyone. This is Ben from OneGod.com. We hope you are enjoying this series, The Convergence, Uniting the Tribes in the Interspiritual Age. For those of you looking to take a deeper dive into any of this amazing material, Dr. Kurt Johnson has created a magnificent online learning program called Interspiritual Mastery. And we are thrilled to be hosting this course and our new education platform, One God Academy. The Interspiritual Mastery program will take you on a guided journey through amazing developments in spirituality, ecology, indigenous wisdom, and more, giving you a window seat to the dawn of the interspiritual age. For more information on this exciting new program, please go to onegod.com. That's the number one, G-O-D.com, and follow the links to the Academy. This is Ben from OneGod.com and World Weaver Spiritual Adventures with a very special invitation to join us on an upcoming interspiritual tour of India called the Mystic Express. We are so excited about this program and we've been working towards it for many years. Together with key hosts and luminary guests from the Convergence Radio series, we invite you to take the trip of a lifetime through the deeply mystical land of India, source to so many of the world's great spiritual traditions. You will be personally guided by learned masters through the traditions of Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism, and Sufism. More than just an incredible learning journey, this promises to be a moving, soulful experience that will transform each of us and the way we see the world. This facilitated mystical journey is leaving Delhi on March 14, 2017, and finishes up back in Delhi on March 27. All aboard. For more information, go to worldweavers.com and look for the Mystic Express. World Weavers, Adventures of the Spirit. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Convergence. You may connect with our program today by calling toll-free 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send us an email to info at onegod.com. That's I-N-F-O at the number one, God.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to The Convergence. This is your host, Dr. Kurt Johnson. 
In this segment, we continue our exciting discussion on the future of Christianity with Mike Morell of our Convergence team introducing and interviewing Brian McLaren. There is more information about Mike at our website. Mike is the Communications Director for the Integral Theology Think Tank Presence International, a Convergence series sponsor, and contributing author with Richard Rohr of the new book, The Divine Dance. Mike is also the co-founder of the Buzz Seminar and a founding organizer of the renowned Wild Goose Festival here in the United States. So, Mike, over to you to give you a maximum of time to tell us about Brian McLaren and have a discussion with him on this fascinating topic. Thank you, Kurt. I'm excited that we get a moment today to talk to Brian. He's been a friend and a mentor to me for, it's crazy to think about this, going on 15 years now. Brian is a convergence thinker, if there ever was one. An English professor turned church planter and pastor a couple decades ago, Brian continues to bring a spirit of learning, curiosity, and multidisciplinary thinking to matters of spirituality and religion in the world today, as an author, an activist, and a thought leader. Brian's an Auburn senior fellow and a board member of both the Wild Goose Festival and an entirely different network called Convergence. Brian has just released a book that dovetails nicely with our theme today. It's entitled The Great Spiritual Migration, How the World's Largest Religion is Seeking a Better Way to be Christian. In it, he outlines the spiritual, theological, and mission-oriented shifts that increasing numbers of Christians are waking up, growing up, cleaning up, and showing up to in order to become a part of our planet's solutions rather than adding to our problems. Brian, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Mike. Absolutely. You know, I want to hone in on a convergence point between your book and the one I just released with Father Richard, The Divine Dance. In The Divine Dance, we said, the greatest disease facing humanity right now is our profound and painful sense of disconnection. Disconnection from God, certainly, but also from ourselves, from each other, and our world. A grounded sense of reconnection with God, self, others, and world is what all religion and spirituality, and arguably even politics, is aiming for, but which conventional religion, spirituality, and politics fall far short of. And Brian, in The Great Spiritual Migration, you say people who are learning to love their neighbors, themselves, and the earth will not find it hard to love God, because God will not be for them a doctrine or a theory separate from or inconsistent with what they already love. Rather, in their experience of love for neighbor, self, and creation, they will already experience God, because, as Richard Rohr says, God is an event of communion. Now, let's talk about this for a moment. This alienation is widespread, but what you're suggesting is that in loving those whom we can see, neighbor, self, and creation, we have a greater capacity to perceive and receive the gift of God's love. Yes. Um, so, Mike, the, the idea that we're in a migration from systems of belief to a way of life, which is a way of love, uh, it, it really ties in exactly with what you and uh, Father Richard said. When you think about it, um, systems of belief often contribute to our disconnection. Uh, you know, you believe differently uh, from me, so I'm in and you're out, uh, I'm right and you're wrong. And, and our systems of belief divide us up and give us even legitim legitimations for saying, uh, you know, God accepts us because we have the right beliefs and, and not them uh, because they don't. 
um, it, it totally flips the script to say, actually, the point of Christian faith is not to determine who's in and who's out, but rather to be bridge builders, to be breaking down walls and making connections with people, um, drawn to them because of our desire to connect through love. So connection, love, encounter, that, that, that is a pretty powerful formation uh, for people. Mm. I find that so intriguing. You know, because I grew up in the, excuse me, charismatic movement of Christianity, and there's also many aspects of, like, new thought or new age spirituality, all of which seek these direct experiences of the numinous as their goal. But I think as we're seeing more and more today, this leads to a widespread sense of spiritual burnout, which leads many on a mass exodus, not only from religious affiliation, but from belief in God or spirituality altogether. I feel like what you're saying here is a beautiful and relevant apologetic, that we love ourselves back to God through the love curriculum of embodied service and even self-care. I, I find uh, the, uh, that, that insight, uh, Mike, quite powerful, that a lot of what drives the charismatic movement is this desire to experience God directly, which in one sense, how could anyone be against that? But I suspect from my background in, in, that, in the charismatic movement as well, there's a subtle difference between wanting to connect with God and wanting to connect with a feeling of being with God or wanting to connect with a certain kind of spiritual high so that, uh, you know, for one person, the high that they crave is crack or bourbon or orgasm, and for another person, the high they crave is, is something that happens after singing for 15 or 20 minutes in a uh, group of, you know, highly charged uh, people. Um, again, uh, nothing wrong with feeling good, um, but very often the, the desire to experience a kind of internal high becomes a temptation to withdraw from connection to the world outside. Um, you know, we're, we're going after this internal thing. I think this is very similar to what uh, Thich Nhat Hanh has been trying to say to the Buddhist community, that a desire for inner peace uh, that, that disconnects us from the real world ends up making the world a worse place. And so he's arguing for an engaged Buddhism, and I'm similarly um, calling for a rediscovery of Jesus' great commandment, which basically says, you can't love God without also loving your brother, your neighbor, your sister, that the way to God is through the other. Mm. What occurs to me in hearing you say that is how even our very definition of God is changing. And in fact, in your book, you offer an original developmental map of our perception of God, which you call God 1.0 through God 5.0. We can't possibly do justice to it in, your, in our limited time together, but could you give us the aerial overview of these stages of growth people experience, focusing particularly on the migration from God 4.0 to God 5.0? Sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, I think if I just start with God 4.0, um, uh, the idea there is, is that... Uh, 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 we, there, there's a God who teaches us to love and be kind and be good, uh, and you would think, what could be wrong with that? The problem is the us or the we that we're learning to be kind and loving and good to is a, a, a limited us and, or, or we. So I call this the, the uh, God of the exclusive we. And, uh, and this, this understanding of God creates great solidarity in a family or a congregation or a religion or a racial ethnic group or even in a nation, uh, or we might even say even an empire. But uh, what it ends up doing is 
always creates an other or an outsider that we want to uh, that we have to cut off. So God yeah. ends up being a, a uh, partisan God who's just for our party and not uh, not for everyone. And that's especially important now because I think we have to not only widen our circle of love to all other people because we're all bound together on this planet, but also to other living creatures and to the environment upon which we all depend. Uh, so, so it's we, we need to, in a sense, expand our understanding of God to a universal love. And that's God 5.0. Yes, that's God. what I'm calling God 5.0, right? Mm. So I'm curious, you know, one possible pushback. In your book, you ask, can Christians uh, migrate from God 4.0 to God 5.0 without leaving their religion? So if God 5.0 is the God of all, beyond the exclusive we, is there a reason that this apprehension of God should keep us tethered to Christianity? Um, yeah, I would I would say uh, for some people the, the way they define Christianity is is so exclusive that they won't be able to stay Christian. But um, you know, I, I often think of that quote from a, a Muslim activist who said, "A religion will be what its adherents make of it." And so that's why I'm doing what I can to raise my voice to say the Christian faith at the heart of the Christian faith. We proclaim a God who's non-discriminatory in God's love. And uh, I think we would be we would do well to imitate that example. Mm, absolutely. Well, thank you for your time here, Brian. I wish we had some more time. But everyone listening, please do yourself a favor and check out Brian McLaren's latest book, The Great Spiritual Migration. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hello. We hope you are enjoying this series on the convergence, uniting the tribes in the interspiritual age. For those of you looking to take a deeper dive into any of this amazing material, Dr. Kurt Johnson has created an entire online learning program called Interspiritual Mastery, and we are thrilled to be hosting this course on our new education platform, One God Academy. The Interspiritual Mastery program will take you on a guided journey through the amazing developments in spirituality, ecology, indigenous wisdom, and more giving you a window seat to the dawn of the interspiritual age. For more information on this exciting new program, please go to onegod.com. That's the number one, G-O-D.com. And follow the links to the Academy. Join us in changing the world through the work of waking up and growing up. And let us all strive to unite the tribes in this interspiritual age. Hi friends, this is Ben from OneGod.com with a special announcement. We hope you're enjoying this radio series, The Convergence, a journey of waking up and growing up with Dr. Kurt Johnson and friends. Many of the ideas that have gone into making this series had their original expression through Kurt's landmark book, The Coming Into Spiritual Age. It's a modern day spiritual classic full of inspired thinking and heralding an optimistic future right within our grasp. As a special gift to listeners of The Convergence, Dr. Johnson is giving you the first four chapters as a gift. In these first 50 pages, Kurt and co-author David Ord lay out the framework for their grand, integrated, interspiritual vision, a vision that Ken Wilber says might very well change your world. 
To get your free download of this incredible gift, just go to onegod.com. That's the number one, G-O-D.com, and follow the links. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Convergence. You may connect with our program today by calling toll-free 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send us an email to info at onegod.com. That's I-N-F-O at the number one, God.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to The Convergence. This is your host, Dr. Kurt Johnson. In this segment, we continue our exciting discussion about the future of Christianity with Doug King, one of the sponsoring hosts of The Convergence, who's be introducing and interviewing Brandon Robertson. Doug, a founder and CEO of Presence.tv, has joined us on a number of Convergence episodes, and you can see his video about the series and more information about him at onegod.com slash convergence. That's numeral onegod.com slash convergence. So to allow a maximum time of Doug to introduce and chat with Brandon, I'm happy now to turn the program over to Doug King. Thanks, Kurt. I appreciate it, and I'm so pleased to have Brandon Robertson here. Brandon is a groundbreaking author, author of the book Nomad, A Spirituality for Traveling Light, And his bio is uh, very extensive, written for Huffington Post, Time, NBC, Washington Post, Religious News Service, many, many more things. You can find out a lot more about Brandon and his bio at our Convergence website. So, Brandon, it is really a pleasure to have you here today, sir. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be a part of this conversation. And so, Brandon, getting right to it, your book, Nomad, and I've talked with you about this extensively, is really addressing uh, two or three things. One is you write for an audience of millennials and even the generation coming up behind them, and you write specifically for the issue of boundaries and Christianity related to the LGBTQ communities. So could you give us an overview of your journey, which you outline in your book, and then also what you see as the implications in terms of the boundary-driven thinking and the future of Christianity? Absolutely. So I grew up um, in a non-religious home, but became a fundamentalist Baptist when I was 12. And um, just throughout my journey, um, I felt called to be a pastor and kind of dove in really deep into fundamentalism and conservative Christianity. And over the years, um, I continued to be somebody who asked questions and kind of pushed the boundaries and ended up getting kicked out of the Baptist church, ended up at an evangelical kind of mainstream church, uh, went off to a conservative Bible college where I studied theology. And it was really while I was at this Bible college, I was being told um, to believe this kind of really boundary-driven theology, who's in, who's out, what's right, what's wrong, black and white. And then I would go out into Chicago, which was where the uh, school was located, and I would begin visiting different faith communities and interacting with different uh, ethnic communities and um, the LGBT community, these communities that I had never really interacted with before. 
And I found what I describe as the presence of God, the Spirit of God, in the midst of all of these communities where I was told God wasn't supposed to be. And um, even began asking questions about my own sexuality. And in that period, I just, I received this kind of pushback from the institution of conservative Christianity. My school tried to kick me out six times because I had a blog where I was asking questions and talking about my findings. Um, And the more and more I did that, and the more and more I saw the response of fear from my community, the more I realized that so much of religion is bound up in this desire for certainty and this kind of modernistic, imperialistic uh, uh, notion that there is truth and we have it and nobody else can. But my experience of God in the world uh, kind of contradicted that and showed me that wasn't the truth, that I was experiencing the very palpable presence of God in all of these different places. And so over a course of about five years after that, I ended up getting involved in the uh, LGBT activism world within conservative Christianity. And the more and more I've engaged in these conversations, both around theology and religion, and around social renewal and uh, kind of political change, the more I've become convinced of what my mentor, uh, Phyllis Tickle, said, that we're entering into a new age of human consciousness, which is really what this whole conversation is about. And Phyllis called it the age of the spirit, this age where the presence of God becomes imminent to all people because of our globalized, interconnected world through social media, that the millennial generation, and in fact all generations, are beginning to be connected to people on every corner of the earth. And we're experiencing, uh, really, the loss of objectivity, but also the imminence and the power of the divine in all people. And so, what I really have learned is the more that we step outside these boundaries of religion, which more and more people, the statistics show, are doing. The growing demographic is spiritual but not religious. But that doesn't mean people aren't connected to the divine. In fact, I'd suggest, like me and my journey has been, that more people are connecting to the divine in all things, in places that the divine normally wasn't supposed to be located as defined by religion. And this new age that we're moving into is this age where the Spirit of God is being found in nature and in different people groups and in different religions. And that's kind of the interspirituality that I know Dr. Kurt talks about. Um, and so what I've really just come to find on my journey is that this new age that we're moving into is going to be an age where we have a unique chance to become interconnected once again as people and to find God in the other, in those where we were told God wasn't supposed to be. And I think that's the chance for healing and hope in the world today. Wow, wow, wow. That's absolutely powerful and fantastic. And as we say to all of our guests, Brandon, we wish we had so much more time, and perhaps we'll find another day to do just that. So thank you for being with us. And, Kurt, can you tell the folks what we've got coming up next? Absolutely. So thanks so much, uh, Doug King and Brandon Robertson, and then earlier, Mike Morell and and Brian McLaren, uh, for these amazing discussions of where Christianity the world's largest religion may be going as we enter this global age. Now, for those of you that are listening, continue to take a regular look at onegod.com slash convergence, as we'll be posting further materials there on this discussion at the section under Episode 7 there called Continue the Conversation, and we're really hoping to bring our guests into creating some materials uh, 
for that uh, furthering the conversation. Now, next week, we're going to actually continue this discussion by a second episode, which is entitled The Future of the World's Religions, a discussion of where all the world's religions are going in the context of globalization and our unfolding multicultural global civilization. Doug and Mike will be joining us again, along with Ben Bowler of our sponsoring host, OneGod.com, with interfaith scholars and leaders Dr. Andrew Vidic and M. Darrell Bryant, and the noted Sufi leader and scholar Kabir Helminski. This episode will also feature an exciting discussion with millennial leader and Harvard Divinity School fellow Angie Thurston. So join us next week for that in-depth discussion of the world's religions moving forward from the fascinating discussion that we've just had today about Christianity. Looking forward to it. Thank you for joining our team, Dr. Kurt Johnson, Ben Bowler, and Doug King for The Convergence. We invite you to tune in again next Thursday at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel for another edition of the program. Until we talk again, have an outstanding week. Like tragedies, democracy wakes up diseased. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.